Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 32, When It All Goes Wrong, recorded December 2nd, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to cover some of the things that can go wrong and that have, go wrong, have gone wrong with a podcast, and hopefully offer you some tips on how you can work around them. And with me uh, to do that this week, as he is every week, is the Professor James Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hiya, James. I appreciate that clarification because you said, welcome what, welcome to the podcast when it all goes wrong. I thought that was simply a tagline that <laughs> described the podcast. Yes, that's the title of the podcast, When It All We should consider it's actually not a bad tagline. It's, it's almost <laughs> accurate. It's, it's kind of catchy. We could be the, the podcast, Where It All Goes Wrong. The other, uh, one of the other shows that I do called The uh, Periodic Table, the first episode title was It's All Downhill From Here. See? It's, it's very close to that. I believe in truth in advertising whenever possible. Good. I've, I've tried to work around the truth in advertising thing, and uh, it's not really working out for me. <laughs> so you just need to go back to lying like everybody else does. That's what works. Exactly. It's the holiday season. That's what it's about. <laughs> Tis the season to be lying. I'm I'm here to be manipulated. Thank you. Uh, I don't even want to get into this, but as a parent, this is the time of year when I lie to my children more than any other time of year. Sure, you it, know? the whole the whole the whole holiday, the entire right. season is based around lying to, to kids. So right. what what could make us any more important than that? I decided a long time ago, like before they were born, I decided the way I was going to approach that was I was not going to tell my children anything about certain things for this holiday. No spoilers if you're listening in the car. Right, if I would you're let, under 13 right, or so. I would let can, them tell me. So, oh, I see. Or, or, if they, or if they ask, I would say, well, legend goes that yada, yada, yada. Or they say... Yada, yada, yada. So it's 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 a cop out, I admit, but at least I can sort of stand on my own principles with that. I never uh, peddled any uh, uh, artificial wares to my kids. In some ways, I can appreciate the the older people, the parents who, even after being faced with the obviousness of the situation, continue to say, "Oh no, children, right here." <laughs> right here mm -hmm. like no no it's not no it is not but 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 somehow a part of me says okay if you're gonna live the lie just 100 percent they're right. all in just dive right in and i i admire your principles for that. right yep uh so uh what happened to you this week that uh, might be of interest to our our studio non-studio live internet <laughs> non-live audience to the people this is, this is like the uh the the late night talk shows when it's a completely contrived series of questions yes. so i understand you were in some kind of accident lately tell me about that well of course you're asking me about that because it's in the show notes um which which is and, and i i obviously make the show notes a little bit odd sounding so the show notes this this week for our warm-up say <clears throat> i lost my internet doesn't give that, me a I, whole lot to work with and that doesn't mean that I don't have an internet connection or that in some way the internet connectivity to my studio is now missing. Oh no, I, I lost. You know, I had it 
and then I lost it. I had it in my hands, literally had it in my hands, and then it wasn't in my hands anymore. I lost it. So I, I travel a lot. I'm a big traveler. I'm a, I'm a Delta million miler, which if you, if you ever catch another Delta million miler wandering around the airport, we are the ones that are beaten down. We are sick of it. We are disgusted with the entire process and, um, and nothing affects us anymore. You know, it used to be you could get emotional about travel. Uh, we don't care. We're, we're completely non-committal about the, oh, it's delayed, whatever. We'll get there, I guess, you know, someday. It's not like I have any control over this and just getting emotional about it just wastes a lot of energy that I could be spending at the bar drinking. So, um, <laughs> You don't want to waste that emotional capital, right? It's it's pretty important. You, know, you got to set your priorities. So I carry around with me one of those little hotspots, one of those little those little tiny credit card size, little itty bitty things. So no matter where I am in the world, I can turn on my hotspot and I've got connectivity. And we've we've used this on this podcast. I've been traveling. I've used that that particular connectivity. Um, it comes in handy and uh, it's very very high speed, nice connectivity. And I don't know what happened to it. I, I was the last time I used it was in an airport, and I have a feeling I left it just sitting right there by the gate. Now, fortunately, this was in the Atlanta airport, so of course there is an online system to track anything that may be lost—a completely online system where you put into description of where you were and the flight you were on and the gate you were at, and a lot of detail, and then they look for it. And when they find it, the online, you keep checking and they'll show you when that particular item was found. I thought, well, this is, that's, that's fantastic. That's fabulous. Of course, there's no guarantee at all that there's any human beings anywhere that are doing anything. I have a sneaking suspicion based on the results of me trying to find things that perhaps I, I just was, uh, you know, not not in a situation where I'd be able to find anything again. There it is, the Hartsfield Jackson lost and found system. And I can tell you that uh, they don't find anything. There is nothing to be found. Now, nobody else found it either because nobody was using it. But the problem was that it was gone. So I had to go find new internet this week. So I had to go back to the Verizon store and say, guess what? I'm an idiot. And I lost. And of course, the new ones. Uh, conveniently, because these things are portable, conveniently, they've made them twice as large as before. It's enormous. It's like a hockey puck now. Last When I had it before, I barely knew I had it. In fact, it was easy. But, you know, to it's, it's greater range and better functionality, of course, no, it right? Because, so, uh, you know, it's sitting next to me. I need that greater range. It's, right. it's, 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 it's a personal area network. It sits right there in front of me. Uh, this is, what, why does it need to be as big as a bagel? I don't need that when I'm traveling. Well, you might um, want to smear. I, I, I want to do something with it, um, but I'm stuck with it because I'm an idiot and left the other one somewhere else. So that's what you pay. That's what you get. That's your penance for, for putting up with someone who's an idiot and leaving things in an airport. So is there any kind of like uh, location service? Like with a cell phone, you can kind of uh, locate where it is online. Do they offer that at all? Or did they at least cut it off so that nobody else can use it? Well, clearly, of course, the technology exists to be able to find anybody who has a mobile device. Of course, right. you and I don't have access to that. Of course not. And and when we ask to have access to that, they say, oh, no, no, we give that to law enforcement without any type of warrant. But we're not going to give it to you. 
that's, of course, all they would say is Hartsfield Jackson International Airport, which you probably already know. Probably so. Probably so. So, yes, they did turn it off. Now, I left it on for about a month. I'm thinking, well, they'll find it at the airport. I don't What am I worried about? And, of course, they didn't find it. But uh, during that entire month, nobody used it. So they could have you know, reset it at least and used it and did something with it, but they didn't. So um, now I'm going to check the claim one more time. Unfortunately, your item has not been located as of yet. Well, now it's turned off. So, oh, well, it's another two-year commitment for me and Verizon. We're getting to be very, very good friends. <laughs> I'm an AT&T guy. It's even worse with us. My phone is AT&T, which is the purpose for having the internet connectivity through Verizon. So I can use either. Right. Where no matter where I am. So it has to be Verizon. In fact, the lady said, we can do that for you, but you'll have to move all your phones over. I said, if I move all my phones over, I don't need to be here. Good point. She did not agree. So that's a, that's a prime example of something that can go wrong. Um, Indeed. Doesn't really apply to podcasting, but kind of, sort of. Not really. Sort of. Uh, so do you have a tethering plan on your phone so that you can do either or? Correct. Wow. So you're important. People actually need to talk to you on a regular basis. I wouldn't go that far, but I need to somehow connect to the internet. So that's that. There you go. It's a trade-off of some kind. I, uh, I used to be able to tether until I got a phone that was a, an AT&T phone. I, I had been buying Google phones. This was phone actually from AT&T and they have it uh, hard coded in the kernel on the phone that I can't tether. It actually cuts off the data connection entirely. Rooting it doesn't help. I could ROM it and put a whole new kernel on it, but I haven't gone so far as to do that. AT&T is a, a very fine wireless network that is based on the idea that, holy crap, please don't use our wireless network. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't use it. We have the most reliable and the fastest network in the world. Well, of course you do. Nobody's on it. Yeah. Nobody's using it. If we were able to use it, that thing would be... <laughs> It would be crap, and they know that, which is why they've cut you off. They're still but, reeling from the iPhone. They were so unprepared for the amount of data people would use. They're still reeling from that. That's me, baby. Uh, I don't really have any interesting anecdotes this week. So All right. We'll just move right. I have anecdotes. They're just not interesting. That's fine, too. <laughs> so I appreciate I'll, that. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, some horror stories. What can go wrong? You know, we've talked about uh, setting up your podcast, and we've done a, a extensive uh, topics uh, uh, regarding equipment and, and all that sort of stuff. But let's talk about how to recover when things go bad and what are some things that can go bad. And one of the things, I don't know, James, it probably doesn't apply to you because you are generally the star of your own show. But oh, well, the, the, I clearly don't like people. <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to say that. All right. Frankly, you frightened me just a little bit. Um, it maybe it's a swastika on the forehead. I'm not sure. Could be something like that. Uh, but one of the things that could happen has happened to me is the guest just doesn't show up. What now, does sometimes that, mean, that they just don't show up. They just don't show up. Uh, sometimes they let you know with minutes to spare. Hey, sorry, can't make it. Or sometimes it has happened. It just didn't. Just didn't happen. Just had it scheduled. It's on the calendar. Months out. You're there. You got Skype open, you got all your recording gear, and nobody shows up. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? Well, there's there's got to be a plan B, doesn't there? You'd like to think that. Yes, sure. a plan B would be a very good idea. Um, but I generally have only half of a plan A. 
so what what we ended up doing in that particular situation was my coast host and I recorded the beginning of the show and the end of the show. Then I tracked down the guest later, recorded the interview, and stuck it in the middle and then released it. Oh, that's a good idea. And that worked. Kind of. I mean, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't much of a show for our live listeners, uh, but what went out was edited in such a way that they really couldn't tell the difference. Um, so you, ha- you have to be flexible. Of course, it would be great if you had enough content that you could just do your show and go. But uh, like in my case, say, uh, well, you and me, James, um, I don't have enough content to carry this show on my own. In fact, some would say I don't have enough content with you to carry the show. But if you, for whatever reason, uh, be it uh, an emergency that comes up or uh, just decided you didn't like me anymore, you didn't show up tonight, I would have no choice but to cancel the show. I wouldn't be able to do anything else. And so I guess my point here is that sometimes you got to cancel the show. And that's not the end of the world. It happens and just kidding. you move on. <laughs> Which, what you didn't see, of course, is that he got up and walked away. <laughs> I'm going to take my dolly and go home. (laughs) But one of the things that um, it would be nice to have, and maybe we need to do more of it just on our side is to solicit customer and viewer feedback and, and, um, and different little pieces of information that we can get from them. Cause if, if you're in a situation where you're planning an event like that, you know, the more variables there are, the more opportunities are for something to go wrong. It'd be nice to just, completely change the schedule and go to a plan of talking about the questions we got over the last couple of weeks or the uh, topics in the news that are associated with the things that we wanted to talk about and then just plan for the person some other time. That would be a good idea. Um, but then you're, what's an interesting scenario there is you run into the, the, the like for example, the, the show I, I've mentioned it on the show before one of the other shows I do is called the periodic table. It's a, it's a weekly news show, but it's not like nightline. It's a, it's a, it's a weekly news show of, of its own kind. Uh, and, and there was a time just recently when uh, I had two other co-hosts, um, and both of them within an hour of the time for the show to start contacted me and said, something came up. I can't be there. Mm. So I had all the content, got everything there. I could have done the show, but I didn't know, and, and, I, and I reckoned in the end, that it just wouldn't have been worth it. It would have just been me monologuing, me reading and riffing. And, and I wonder, and I'll, I'll ask your opinion on that, James. Uh, in, in that scenario, is it better to produce a show that you believe is of lesser quality or significantly different than the show that you normally put out, or just to skip the show? Um, there's there's plenty of great podcasts out there that are one person that that are especially gifted at sitting in front of the microphone and talking about whatever it is they talk about for an hour or two hours or three hours or whatever it is. Um, those those particulars, I personally think those particular podcasts would do well to have a second person or a third person. I think there's a um, a back and forth that lends itself to a, a more natural conversation and a more natural um, uh, type of information exchange. I think people like to listen to that more than this. Otherwise, um, you know, there's no not one guy in a morning zoo. You know, you're not having the one guy right. with the noisemaker. Um, there's always three people in the room. Um, granted, not all of them really 
worth it being there, but yeah. the same idea applies. Um, so I think, yeah, you could do it if you, if you were just you doing the podcast instead. Sure. Absolutely. Especially if people need that content, they like the content, they want the content, certain topics, um, I don't know would work so well. Things like what well, you mentioned, um, some of your other podcasts are based around things in the news and now let's talk about them. And if it comes things in the news and now you hear what I think about it, but there's no, no other type of input, right. then maybe that one is a deal breaker. Yeah. Because then you're, uh, like like I said when I posed the question, you're you're changing the very nature of the show, and I, and I'm, I go back and forth on this because uh, it's happened you know over the almost three years I've been doing this, it's happened a few times, and and I have to make that choice. Is it better to put out a show that is fundamentally different than the normal shows we do, or to just skip a week? Uh, and I guess you know if you're, for example, if I had a, a sponsorship deal where I promised a company that I would give them four ad we reads a month in weekly installments, I would, I would have no choice. I would have to go to air with something because it's in my contract. Um, but since I'm, you know, sort of independent in that way, I don't have that, uh, that requirement. So I think that's a choice you have to make. The important thing is that you make that choice ahead of time. You need to have a plan. You need to decide in this event, this is what I'm going to, going to do. And, and you make that decision. Um, and I think that uh, in general, podcasters tend to not think that far in advance. The, the types of people who are drawn to podcasting are not the types of people who are meticulous planners in general. I, I really think the most important part is that you hunt down the guest and you punish them. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, especially if uh, there's somebody who's doing it as a favor to you for free. You should really, really just berate them for not giving you their time for free there, there the should be some type of anguish yes yeah uh, anyway uh so the next thing that happened is the guest shows up or the host or whatever but your connection is just not good and i've run into this one a number of times james you can certainly um attest to that in the early days of this show uh when i was using a different internet provider and it would be almost miraculous to go a half an hour without the internet connection, just completely going away for a minute or so during the time. So you have to uh, decide how you're going to handle that. I'm not sure how you did not stab somebody in the face over that. So all sort of worked itself out. You only, you know, left the state um, right. to get a decent internet connection, but that was, that was problematic, but at least you knew what that one was. A lot of right. the times with Skype or Google voice or the Google hangouts, and if the quality goes bad, if the video goes bad, if the audio goes bad, if things aren't quite crisp and clean and, and you can't understand what people are saying, sometimes you have no idea what's causing the issue. You're on a, a dedicated internet connection. You're on a wired link. You're going through exactly the same router and internet connection you've always had. But of course, between you and I, there's probably 15 or 16 hops 15 or 16 different routers and between all of those are, are 15 or 16 different network connections between all of those. That's a lot of places for things to go bad. And so you, you may not even have control over that. On top of that, of course, are the nuances of these uh, voice over IP and these video based applications and how they operate. Because sometimes these, these applications are built to be very good at recovering from situations like that. Sometimes these applications are completely messed up 
until you hang up the phone and call back because they can't recover. Their software isn't good enough. Now, fortunately, Microsoft has bought Skype now, so all the problems are over. Everything got significantly better once that purchase went through. What it was like the first week, suddenly everybody was complaining that Skype was horrible. Yes. Like nothing had changed. Just Microsoft name had announced buying them. No, no equipment had been modified. The network wasn't different. Oh, it's horrible now. Yeah. And, and, and speaking objectively, there are a number of ways in which the quality has gone down as they have rejiggered their infrastructure. They no longer use the super node method. Now everything goes back to a server uh, at Microsoft. Um, so I, they introduce stronger yet fewer points of failure. Um, it, 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 but, it's, but what am I going to do? I'm using a free product. I can't really complain when they change it. I don't have a choice. I give them some money so I can complain a little bit a little not a lot but a little. It's, they're not because i don't give them a lot of money that's right. that is a bit of a problem but that that's something you kind of have to struggle with all the time now there are some great tools out on the net that you can at least use to give you a sanity check of how your internet connection is running and, and at least those can give you a feel i know that in, in what i do um there's uh almost all the time i'm using speedtest.net which is um, a free-to-use function that is at speedtest.net um, that will look at the download and upload speed of your internet connection. And it just simply transfers a file and tells you how fast it went. And you can watch as it's transferring the, the highs and the lows as it's going along. So you can get a feel like if you've, if you've paid for a, a 10 megabit internet connection down and a two megabit internet connection up you can see if you're really getting that because the speedtest.net servers generally are are have availability to perform a test and give you an accurate representation it's never perfect but it's pretty close you can get now, a pretty what good I idea. like about speedtest.net is it's a real thing because um you know comcast or at&t or whoever your provider is is going to have some sort of speed test app yep. that their tech might run or that they might tell you to run and it's between your endpoint and their endpoint and it's always going to be darn near flawless i'm sorry you're uh, getting one gigabit throughput this is fine right but uh That's what not uh, getting a gig where are you getting a gig right. from brother what speedtest.net checks is actual data on the real internet so you know we would talk about those different hops that you run through the different connections and the different things that's what you're testing so it picks ones that one that's geographically close to you to help minimize that but then it tests real world performance uh, and that's what we geeks like about it, and it's what uh, uh, internet providers don't like about it. They will poo-poo speedtest.net and say it's it's not valid, don't use it. But but every single networking and security professional that I work with uses it as the the the, the place where they start. They use that number to at least know they're at least getting this much. Um, because we've we've gone into situations, if you've worked with networking equipment, you can make some pretty bad configuration decisions when you're putting some of this stuff in. So it's not uncommon for in very, very large data centers. Okay, before we put this box in, run a speed test. All right, we got some numbers. Now let's put the, put the, put the box in place. This new one goes in. All right, run it again. Oh, okay. It looks looks about the same. So we didn't mess up anything. But But there have been times where I've put a box in the middle and suddenly we're getting half the speed. And we're realizing, okay, we messed something up. So Oops. they're not only at your your home office or your studio is this useful, they're using it all over the world. Another good one I like is called speedof.me, speedof.me. 
It's not flash based, so you can run it on your iPhone. Uh, without oh, I like using that. App. Uh, it's uh, HTML5, um, and its numbers generally tend to jive pretty well uh, with what Speed Test will tell you. Uh, and it's a uh, it's a good tool. It's it's lightweight and handy. And uh, um, but be warned, if if I were to run this right now, either of these tools. Or if James would, you would hear a significant degradation in the oh, quality yes. of our conversation because it does uh, t- uh, send the maximum throughput it can. So if you're running anything else, uh, say you're downloading a torrent while you're doing speed test, it's going to tell you you got you know a, a one meg connection. No, that's how much you had available to the app. So right. you want to shut everything down and run just that, and then expect nothing else to work for the you know 90 seconds that the app the test is running. That's it. Don't touch anything. Let's see how this goes. See what kind of numbers we get. If you're really into optimizing network performance, you're especially concerned about the throughput that you're getting with Skype or your Google Hangout or whatever you happen to be using, another good one, although this one does require that Java be installed, the the Java runtime, which is now just the Java, uh, running and configured and installed in your browser, which in itself is not necessarily a fantastic thing to have running because of recent security issues associated with Java. This is a product made by a son, which was bought by Oracle. So now it's an Oracle thing. This is not something that generally comes with your browser. So you have to install it yourself. But if you have that running, you can run the, the ICSI Netalyzer. And it, this is something from uh, Berkeley and the International Computer Science Institute. And it does a fantastic job of going through details about how your network configuration is performing. And I've got for the people watching, I've got a, a sample report that's up. This is not my report. This is one they have on their website if you want to look at the sample. But it can tell you that uh, certain parts of the way that protocols are being used are not being used efficiently. And this may be related to configurations in your router, your firewall. They may be related to configurations on your internet connectivity, but it will tell you how things are working down at that lower level. How's your network access link? How's your network latency? Um, and then you can perform these tests at different times of the day and see what these latencies are about. Obviously, with voice over IP, with Skype and Google Hangout and these technologies, latency is so important. The, the, um, the time that it takes for every single packet to go out, they're all streaming in and out of this connection right now. If you have any delays at all, it will have an effect on the clarity and sometimes the intelligibility of the, the voice communication that we're sending back and forth. And, and this isn't like transferring a file. If you miss me saying a word, we can't back up the packets and have me say the word again. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that's why sometimes you'll hear people sound like they're underwater or they'll, they'll break up a little bit and then things will get better because for some reason in between packets have been dropped on the floor or they've, they've uh, arrived so slowly that the, the software can't keep up and put them back together so you can hear them. So it drops them again and creates that kind of problem. Uh, but, so this is a great test to run um, to be able to do that. You can find it at Netalyzer, N-E-T-L-N-E-T-A-L-Y-Z-R dot I-C-S-I dot Berkeley dot E-D-U. Just search a perfectly for, easy to remember you are. Yeah, search for uh, the, the Berkeley I-C-S-I and, and you'll find Netalyzer. It'll, it'll find you. And uh, 
some nice stuff there. So if you're really into optimizing this and you've you've made it a commitment, you're going to be doing some podcasts. We've sat down and we need to make sure everything is running optimally. You want to make sure you buy the right router. You want to make sure you buy the best internet connectivity and you want to be sure it works properly. That's a nice sanity check. And then uh, the question asks, so, so you've diagnosed the problem and you can't fix it. Then what do you do? So what are some ways to work around uh, a poor call quality? Uh, well, there's always the telephone, which, you know, is not awesome. Uh, even in 2012, we're still using a 70-year-old a, a 8-bit codec uh, for our phones. So, you know, I always avoid uh, phone calls as much as possible. Uh, but what I, what I recommend is connect however you have to to have the conversation. Uh, via phone or use the bad Skype connection and then record everything locally. That's not hard to do. Any, uh, anybody can be taught to do that. Even the most novice uh, podcast guest can be taught to, re to pull up a, a recording device on their computer and record their local audio. So you record your local, I record my local, uh, then you send me the file, I piece it together, the end audience never knows. And that's well, the way... That's the way we do this show every week. James sends me his audio, and that's what I put into the show. Uh, so that's the best backup possible. You will run into resistance sometime with that, but uh, it's I think it's the best way to do things. Uh, it does take a little bit of setup time beforehand because, um, interestingly enough, um, people who um, are not in the world of doing podcasting may not necessarily be used to the nuances of recording audio. I, I take, for example, one of the most popular podcast networks in the world is Leo Laporte's Twit. And these are generally journalists and people who are in the, the print or news media of technology. But they're not technologists. They're journalists. They're very good at writing. They're extremely good at finding the news. They're very good at giving you the news. But if you've ever listened to some of his shows, these people who are who are well known and an extremely good journalists have the worst audio configurations in the world. They certainly don't have very good microphones. Sometimes they'll use a microphone that comes with their cell phone, which at times can work actually pretty well. But they have no idea how to configure Skype to use that mic, and you end right. up getting getting the room mic, and, every, and you just hear echo. And for someone who does podcasting, somebody who creates videos, somebody who does the type of work that we do with this, drives me crazy when they do that. I can't, it, 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 it hurts my ears. They start to bleed. Um, and, and it drives, it drives Leo crazy as well. He doesn't necessarily like that because really the audio is one of the most important parts of that. Even though there's a video aspect, video can be miserable. It's the audio that is the most important thing. So um, you do have to spend time with folks and make sure they do that properly. I did this in a corporate environment um, a few uh, careers ago, sometime in my not so recent past. And I ended up having to ship the the microphone to the person so i was in one part of the country i just shipped them a headset and said just plug it in usb we'll work through the configuration just so i could get good audio and 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 i had them record it locally on their windows machine so that all worked out fine when they were doing it that way but uh, it did take a little bit of extra work to make sure 
that that all sounded good because beforehand he was using some microphone that I don't know where he had gotten it, but he kept hitting it. And during the entire conversation, you heard things like that going on. You're wondering what in the world is happening, right. but it was just kind of dangling around. He had no idea what to do with it. So, uh, and, just and we've talked about on this show before, if you're going to be podcasting or if you have a, a regular co-host who's going to be with you, it is critical that you set them up with something or yourself up so that you can hear yourself so that you can hear that that's happening. Because, you know, I before I, I, I did that too, I sent people mics and sent people uh, audio interfaces because they would be constantly fidgeting with their mics and completely unaware. They can't hear that. Right. They're not hearing their own audio fed back right. to them. So uh, they have no idea it's happening and it, it's ruining the audio. So um, <laughs> <laughs> the one I always love was this. Right. You know, uh, could you move the microphone? It seems to be a little bit uh, close to your uh, your nose. You just... yeah. yeah, right. Uh, no, it just needs to move a little bit more to the um, the nose. And they, they we'd spend fifteen yeah. minutes just trying to figure out where to put the mic. I kept expecting them to tell them tell me that they were my father at any point. <laughs> Luke. Yeah. Uh, so having a, the the double ender, as it's called, the two recordings, uh, is is certainly a way to work around that. Uh, that is going to require a certain amount of dedication on the part of the other person. And you simply may not have that. If you were like, like James was saying, if you're talking with a journalist or, a, you know, a, um, an actor or uh, an artist of any kind who doesn't do podcasting and, you know, is just doing this one time for a publicity thing or whatever, you just kind of sometimes you have to get over it and say, all right, I'm going to get pretty low quality out of this and just deal with it. Um. Another problem I ran into recently was uh, one of my remote hosts had somebody locally in the room with him, and I was hearing both of them through both of their microphones. Oh, boy. So there was an echo delay thing there, and I did as much post-processing on it as I could, and it still wasn't good, Um, but it just had to deal with it. The content was there. It was a one-time thing. It's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, trying to fix um you know we just sometimes you just have to go with it <laughs> there used to be the old days where people had the flip phones or they would have those for some reason their cell phone allowed them to turn up the volume so loud in the earpiece that it would echo back into the phone and you end up hearing an echo of yourself and you can't under you have to stop and you i can't listen to myself very very difficult it takes a special kind of skill to be able to to put up with that and actually have that conversation with yourself and be able to hear yourself. Uh, so, you know, again, that's uh, there. We gave you two choices there. Try to do a double into recording and just try to live with it. Um, you know, try different uh, connections if at all possible. Uh, so those are really, I don't, I don't have a better choice. James, do you, you have a, no. another solution? <clears throat> no, yeah, no, that's, that's really, your best bet. I used to have a, a digital hybrid. I still do somewhere around here. And a digital hybrid is a device you plug into the phone line that can output the audio from one side and input the microphone from my side so that we can, we can record that. We can put it into a mixer and the person on the other end can send that data. But you're recording audio from a phone line. Right. And uh, for, for, I think good reasons people now doing podcasting. We don't like that anymore. It used to be, you could deal with that. It used to be, that was okay. Audio, but now we've gotten so used to Skype and we've gotten so used to Google hangout. It's got to be better audio than telephone. 
So mine's unplugged and stuck in the other room. I just don't use it anymore. If anybody'd like a digital hybrid. You're not gonna finish that sentence? No, I was thinking nobody wants digital hybrid. Okay. All right. So uh, the next thing that could happen, other than a, a connection failure, is a hardware failure. Something just breaks. Um, and I have lived through this uh, a number of different ways. Um, and of course, the obvious solution is have backups. Have And, and by backups, I don't mean multiple coordinates. I mean extra gear yeah. laying around, um, which is you know expensive potentially. And again, a commitment to... The thing, but that's kind of the only way uh, to to make sure you can have have alternatives available. But even we've talked before that you know we're using some pretty expensive microphones to be able to record a lot of what we do. But we've even said there's some microphones out there that are excellent audio at very low cost. And I've even found microphones. Uh, I just mentioned ones that come with your your mobile phone. Uh, the microphone that's in there is better than using a regular phone line. Yes. So there's yes. that's a good example. And uh, I've had microphones that were bundled in with software that were a, a perfectly good mics and worked very well for things like voice communication. You know, we're not in a band. We're not beating drums against it. We're not trying to pick up what somebody's doing on a guitar. We're simply speaking. And if the room is quiet, eh, almost any microphone will get by in a pinch. And uh, eBay is your buddy. Go to eBay and just lowball stuff every day for for all kinds of, of, of gear, and you will eventually, for not much money, build up quite a collection. I have, you know, I have right here in front of me, I have uh, two different types of mixers. I have three uh, different microphones, three laptops, uh, four digital interfaces, all of which I picked up, you know, just here and there. You go you go to a, a uh, an auction and you put in 10 bucks. And there's stuff that comes up every day. So you do that, and if you don't hit it, you do the next one. It's not in a hurry, but that's a good way to, to get uh, used gear at, at very little money. Uh, you got to be careful. I ended up with six audio interfaces doing that because I lowballed a bunch and didn't think I'd win any of them and won six of them. Uh, so, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend that you do that, but hey, I've got backups all over the place. I can do you, all sorts of things. You are apparently the, you're the antithesis of my ebay experience and i have a love-hate relationship with ebay because i can find the most esoteric ridiculous things in the world on ebay but i just can't win them if it's not one of those where you can buy it now i just don't even bother because if i don't win it and, and you aren't i don't know how you win things i, I have no idea how that process works well there's an I, inverse proportion uh relationship to how badly you want it and how likely you are to win it oh, if you don't care it. you will win it if you must have it you cannot win it it's one of those patents you get yeah ebay knows this uh they have uh they have built into their website a desire detector uh and they tweak their algorithm accordingly it's so, working extremely well. Yeah. So the important thing is to just just be aloof. You know, play hard to get. Yep. And uh, or, or better, have somebody have your wife who has no idea what she's bidding on, place the bid, and you'll have a better chance. Whenever if I do win something, it's because by the time it gets to me, it is grossly inaccurate <laughs> from the description. It like this isn't even close. I I was yeah. trying to buy something for a friend. 
um, for a gift. And it's one of these things where it's it's a it's a virtual product. So it comes on a card, and you scratch off a thing, and there's a code underneath. And he, he said, "Oh, great, yeah, I'll send that to you." He sent it to me. It was already scratched off. And I said, "What are you What are you doing? I can't. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want one that's used. <laughs> it doesn't do me any good." And it was actually a, a legitimate dealer and he, he fixed the problem but that's my problem i never know exactly what i'm going to get when i'm on ebay either i had a just while we're talking ebay horror stories i bought something that was listed as new uh and when it came to me it was rusty <laughs> and new yeah, rust yeah and the and when i complained like i said well it's never been used i, I mean i found it sitting out in a dumpster but it was it's never been used so it's new what really, really pushing yeah the definition yeah. it's new and, to you there you go yeah that's right it's uh but anyway uh so have a backup have a backup microphone have a backup audio interface uh have a backup computer right don't um it doesn't have to be anything fancy but uh you know if you have to you can run upstairs and grab the computer out of the family room and stick that in your studio for a couple of hours long enough to do the job or or just use what i have here uh, I've talked about it before, is my handy little Zoom H1 recorder uh, that's plugged in out of my uh, uh, board, and that's my backup recording. If the uh, hard drive that's running Audacity crashes or if Audacity pukes during the recording, I've got that. It's not as good. It's not separate track. It's not as high quality, but it'll work. Uh, and then failing that, we we put these shows up on on uh, online. We stream live. Justin TV gives me a, a, an archive for a limited time i can go grab that and strip the audio out of it so it's important that you you have multiple recordings as much as possible um to because your hardware is going to fail that's i I think those the appliance side of things for recording audio i'm a big fan of recording it on a purpose-built device that's made for recording audio and for a couple of reasons one the one you mentioned is that it's just rock solid it's there all the time it's always available you hit the play the record button it's recording hit the stop button it's stopped you nothing you do on your computer will affect it no software updates you make to your operating system will have any change to that piece of machinery there's nothing that a a hard drive failure in your computer will affect when you still have that that appliance, that piece of hardware that's recording that for you. And I have the same thing. I have a Marantz recorder that I use for exactly that reason. There are sometimes when I'm recording a video, I'm also recording it to three places. I record audio on that appliance. I record audio on my computer and I record audio on the camera, all with separate outputs from my mixer. So they're all getting the same quality audio. And uh, as we will talk about in a bit, that comes in really, really handy sometimes. Yes. Uh, So let's move straight into that and talk about what can happen if you lose data. Um, And meaning everything worked. You got your recording. You're all happy. And then the hard drive crashes. What do you do then? Of course, the obvious is uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have multiple recordings. Um, But what else can you do, James? Well, sometimes, you, and and this is a problem, every single person who's done a podcast has lost data. 
every single if you've done a podcast for any amount of time if you've you, ever used a computer you've lost you've data. lost some data uh, you can't get away from it um and you just have to plan it out before you start a recording of how you're going to have your data spread around and having those backups in different places is the best way to do that um have that separate machine that separate piece of hardware that does audio recording record it onto your computer record it onto um, anything that you've got. And for instance, I just mentioned using a camera. I've used my camera before when I've just done audio podcasts. I've done a conversation with somebody, but because it's on a camera and I just use uh, the camera that I have is a consumer type of camera, maybe prosumer, but it's not the fancy kind of video camera that you would get uh, or see someone using at a wedding. It doesn't have XLR connectors into it. It doesn't have multiple battery packs on the back of it. It's one that's designed for somebody to take on a vacation at Walt Disney World. Um, but it does have audio input. It has a an eighth inch jack on the side that will take analog audio. Well, that's that's perfect. That's stereo connection going right into the camera. And so I can record on the camera, even though it's recording normally have the in that situation, the lights aren't on right now. I have lights that are on that are they're on here. I've I've pushed back my monitors so you don't see them in the way of of the cameras that I have here, because normally they're right up at my face because I'm an old guy who has to be able to see stuff on the screen so that I just use the camera's recording device. And that's something you may not even think about that. Oh, yeah, I've got a I've got a video camera well, that can record audio as well. And because it's recording it to a file, that makes it very, very easy to grab that file right off of there, strip off the video, who needs that, and just use the audio as an audio source. Make sure you're thinking about all these different places where you can have extra pieces of the audio because there's, uh, I'll go back to talking about Leo. Uh, he, there's one story he used where early on, he, did a he does a lot of interviews with people. He lost the first interview. So they did another interview. He lost the second interview. You know, you're sending fruit baskets at that point and apologizing. <laughs> um, and they ended up doing a third one. Um, you don't want to be in that situation. So just plan ahead of time at all of the different types of recording output you're going to have and how you're going to use it. And then, of course, the next thing you can do uh, after that is make a backup copy as soon as possible. That's my workflow. As The second I am finished recording this show, I copy it off to another hard drive soon as it's done in fact james and i will often be uh talking afterwards and he knows when it happens because the skype call just goes to crap because i'm eating up all my bandwidth uh copying things over but uh do that immediately don't uh don't say all right i'm saying Whew, everything's good uh life is grand no because the next time you turn that machine on there's a possibility it's not gonna go it's not gonna work even your little uh you know, digital uh, purpose-built one. This is my second. I, I mentioned uh, my Zoom H1. I had a different one from Olympus. I forget the the brand. And one day, it just didn't turn on anymore. I, I never knew why. It just didn't work. And I had stuff on there. Uh, but luckily, it was all my backup, and I didn't need it. So uh, even if you're using a purpose-built device, the very soonest opportunity possible, make a backup copy. This is uh, a then, good chance to take advantage of these cloud-based services that absolutely. are absolutely free, that you can simply have a folder that's on your computer or a drive that's on your computer. Take your audio file, copy to that folder. Your computer knows, boom, I'm going to copy this out to my Google Drive. And it just does it automatically behind the scenes. You don't have to 
think about it. It doesn't even become something that you have to remember to do. Put it in your Dropbox folder. Boom, it's automatically uploaded to Dropbox and it's sitting there if you ever need it. And it's a great way to just, you just throw stuff in that folder and you just forget about it because you know it's going to be copied out to the cloud. Yeah. So uh, whenever possible, if you have one copy of something, you don't have any copies of it. That's the way I look at it. You got to have two to have one. You got to have three to have two. You, you count the original one as it doesn't even exist. Uh, that's that's the way I've always looked at it. It's a good way to look at it. Uh, anything else on uh, data loss, James? Mitigation of data loss? Uh, that, that's the one thing I always worry about. Uh, ultimately, of course, you want to be sure if you're going to be using this data later, you want to be sure you also have those additional backup sources but um, it's sort of a short-term thing, though, isn't it? I mean, I've got podcasts that I did a year ago. I don't really care about that audio. You know, that audio, I've already posted it. I've uploaded lo- uploaded the file of the final podcast to my distribution service. Um, the originals, yeah, they, they, this is a situation where the data becomes less valuable over time. It's very valuable the instant you make it, and then it rapidly becomes completely worthless. So you may even want to go back and delete just to free up disk space of some of those things, if that makes sense as well. Other types of data, of course, become more more important to you as time goes by. If you have pictures of something that you want to go back later on to look at, um, you know, you, that's something that the data is not only important now, but becomes more valuable as you go on. So make sure that you're you're using your podcast data in the right way. Yeah, what you just said there is sort of a running argument that um, my partner in this company and I have. I, I save everything. Like when when I when I record the show, I will save the raw Audacity file. Then when I edit it, I will save the edited file. Then when I render that down to an MP3, I will save the MP3. All three of those will be exist on a long term storage uh, a disk somewhere. And when that disk fills up, I will buy another one. I don't know why. I will probably never use it. Uh, there, there's almost no possibility, but I, I just have it in my head that someday when I'm being inducted into the podcast hall of fame, that I'm going to want some of that archival data, uh, or maybe that someday I'm going to do that, uh, that, um, ever popular best of show. And I'm going to want to go back and search through the clips and I'm going to want the original recordings. It's, it's all entirely unrealistic, but for some reason, my, you know, particular brand of OCD requires that I save them. Right, you're so you're a I digital do. hoarder. I am. I am a digital hoarder. I the all bits are beautiful. We we need a little bit of intervention. Uh, and <laughs> and and you can, everybody else, of course, make up your own joke about the best of. <laughs> As in, it hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> shortest still episode waiting ever. For that. <laughs> yeah, the shortest show we've ever done. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to uh, to talk about our worst horror story to make our audience feel better about us. Um, you know, believe it or not, James, there are people who actually think we're professionals and, and actually look up to us. Well, let's straighten that out right now. Right. So, uh, James, tell us your worst horror story or maybe a collection of them in terms of podcasting or doing the videos that you do. My biggest problem, and I don't know why this is, maybe, maybe everybody's like this, but I somehow doubt it. But my biggest problem is audio levels. You know, I do a lot of video recording and of course, lighting is important. Uh, the camera angle is important. What's in your background is important. You have to deal with what's in the set. Um, you have to make sure that you don't have, you know, drinks sitting around that can be seen in the camera shot. 
there's there's a visual part of it for some reason i don't really have so many problems with the visual part of it i always tend to have problems with the audio part of it and uh for some reason uh and i i sort of know what the reason is i'll i'll help i'll help fill you in on what the details are but i i was in a situation where i sat down when i shoot videos uh these trainings uh, videos that i do i tend to shoot a lot at one time. I shoot until I don't have a voice anymore. So this could go for an hour or two or three, depending on what I've been doing that day. So this is, this is a, a, you're sitting there for a long time doing multiple takes, going through this. And at the end of it, three hours of content, that's a lot of content. Um, and I went and, and now we're starting the editing process. I grabbed the files. I stuck them in my editor and everything was clipping. Everything was clipping which means that I was completely blowing out the audio. It was way too loud and had a lot of distortion on the recording. And, and for, once you've recorded that, you oh, can't get it back. That's it. You know, if it's garbage in, that's it. You're not going to make it prettier and you're not going to get rid of the distortion. You're done. So there's an entire day of work that is worthless. It, I can't use it. It's, it's not any good. And, and for some reason, for me, I have the biggest problems trying to tweak where the audio is. And ultimately the reasoning behind this, and I really had to sit down and think what I thought I, I was looking at my meters. I've got meters here. I've got different pieces of equipment. All of these things were blowing out. All these things were, were turned up way too hot. Um, and it's it, part of the problem. And, and everybody should watch for this is this audio equipment, this commercial audio equipment we have, it's crap. It, it really, it really is not designed for for someone who wants to do serious work. The lights that are there are are nothing more than some eye candy for you. Uh, I'm I'm really being a little over the top with that explanation, but it's generally the case that these pieces of equipment are are not as accurate as the multi million dollar audio studios that you may see on the television and the, the broadcasting not, studios that guy on ebay lied to me so surprising even so um you look at a meter that says oh it's just fine there's absolutely no problem with the meter in that camera there's no problem with the meter that's here on your screen you're well under the numbers you can't trust them so just don't trust them you end up now having to um just test everything now in my case that was an involved process because i record on the camera then I had to get the file out of the camera with the USB connection, you had to change the camera configuration to spit the file at you. You had to go into your audio, your video editing program. The video editing program had to pull the file off the camera, but that wasn't good enough. It had to convert the file so that it could pop properly play it and then show you how it sounded. So it, it was not a simple process to just kind of listen in as you're recording. You had to go in just do step-by-step step, trial and error over and over and over and over again until you got it just right. And once you, once you get a, a, a process down and you become accustomed to the equipment, you can kind of tell where the meter is and how good it is with what it's doing. And now, oh, thankfully now I'm at a point where I'm not running into a lot of those metered problems anymore. And I guess it's because I wasted an entire day and you get kind of shell shocked after that. You don't want that to happen. So make sure you do a run through or two or three or seven before you are ready to go into production with your audio. My general rule of thumb about that is record at a lower level than you think is appropriate because you can always amplify it later. But if it's clipping, you can never get that back.
And we had not- one guest even said, just put it halfway. Don't worry right. about those yellows and reds up there. Just stick it halfway. You're going to be fine. It's not a hard and fast rule, but particularly in the digital world, if you're recording digitally, you can amplify infinitely without loss of fidelity. That's the beauty of digit, uh, digital recording. If it's, if it's analog, you introduce noise when you do that. But if you're recording digitally, like with Audacity uh, or a USB interface or something like that, you can amplify infinitely and it will never add any more noise. So record that sucker low. Uh, and and that's that's been my trick. Yep. I think that's a, a good rule of thumb. Now you tell me. <laughs> Now, my uh, horror story, were you finished there, James, or do you have I, more to say? I think that's horrible enough. All right. My horror story comes with uh, the first interview I ever did with your friend and mine, James, Mr. Uh, Steve Cherubino. I know Steve. Of How to Podcast Biz. You may have heard of him. He's been on here a time or two. Um, back when I was uh, just a, a new guy doing uh, the Taiwan Tech Podcast, uh, he uh, agreed to come on the show. He was the big shot, and I was the the newcomer. And he came on and we did a show and it was outstanding. Really one of the best shows I've ever done. The content was amazing. He was, he was dead on. It was, it was three guys, you know, my co-host and Steve and, and I were, were there and we were really talking uh, from our hearts about passionate things and it was good information. It was awesome. And Great. we said, we said goodnight and uh, everything was good. I hung up the Skype call. I hit record, uh, hit save on audacity and the computer froze. And um, never did that hard drive function again. Wow. Yeah. It was not a, oops, I lost it. It wasn't a, you know, let me run spin right on it. No, the drive physically failed to the point I would have had to remove the platters Mm. to get the data off on it. Good times. It was gone. So uh, no big deal. I make backup recordings, right? That's right. I'll go to my backup recorder. Good for you. Forgot to hit record. Oh, dirt. So the whole show just was gone. Oh, we refer to that no. as the missing episode. So I did what any uh, anybody would do. I went with my hat in my hands back to Steve and said, hey, that was great. Want to do it all again? <laughs> and he uh, condescended gently and said, uh, why don't you wait till you've had a little more practice mm. and we'll do it again. Mm. So that that's my worst horror story. It's not that I did anything wrong. It's just that everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And then you got a talking to. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I forgot to hit record. So there's the, mo- and, and in fact, for about eight months after that, at the top of every show note that we did in like 74 point font in bright red, where the words hit the record button, <laughs> my co-host put that in there. And it stayed there for, because we just, every week we copy the notes to the next one. It stayed there for like 18 months. Hit the record button. I've never forgotten since then. I think it's one of the the folks that always come out to do the corporate events. Those those corporate speakers you always get always say that it's not a habit until you do it 21 times. Right. So if you're on podcast number 22, you can at least feel a little bit better. And the downside is you may have cemented some very bad habits. In the last 21 episodes. Sure, you got to bring that up. (laughs) So, James, in light of uh, all of this conversation (laughs) about what can go wrong, did you learn anything this week? Oh, man. Um, This is the part of the show notes. I usually have something ready to go and ready to talk about, and and I've got everything in there uh, that I need. Uh, The one thing I did learn this week is I can't always rely on my equipment. We talked uh, 
a few months ago, not that many months ago, about a new piece of audio equipment I got, the AudioBox 22 VSL from PreSonus, and um, and how awesome it was. Um, my PreSonus box has no input now. And for a device that's designed to provide input to your computer, that's a significant shortcoming. That's so, a bad thing. So I learned this week, and, and it's sort of in, in the theme of this show, I have audio backup. So we are back on my iMic from, um, I don't want to get the name wrong. I'm using iMic from, Griffin. Uh, is it a, yes, Griffin iMic. And uh, uh, this thing has just always worked in, a, in the pinch. And it, again, it works now. So this is what I'm using. I have to do an RMA, I think, back to PreSonus and have them fix it and send it back to me. So I remembered uh, what I learned was always have those things close by. You may end up needing those. Very good. And uh, I don't really have a lesson learned this week other than uh, when it comes to Christmas shopping, online is better than in person. What are you talking about? <laughs> I went uh, one day this week, I went to three different stores looking for an item. Uh, I found the item at one store. It was ridiculously overpriced. I refused to pay it. Went to two others. One was just sold out. The other one said, I don't know what you're talking about. So I thought, what am I doing going to stores? <laughs> So yes. I went home and I jumped on Amazon, elementopi.com slash Amazon. In one click, I found it at a third the price of the store with free shipping. What so, an excellent idea, Mark, to go to elementopi.com slash Amazon. Yes, because when you do that, uh, you are redirected to the regular Amazon page. Everything is the same. You don't pay anything more, but I get a little uh, cookie in your browser that says, hey, I sent them to you. Why, and, Mark, uh, it does not cost me anything extra. Not a penny more. And if you've got a coupon or an offer code, you can still use it. And you know what? I don't. I get paid uh, on the initial price, not the coupon price. So you can use a coupon and you're not hurting me. What it's were you awesome. thinking going to a store? I, I, I really was stupid for just a little <laughs> while. I thought, I thought <laughs> on my way home, I pass by this store. I'll just stop in. They didn't have it. Well, also on the way home is this other one. I'll stop in. And I, I just had that in my mindset. And I thought, well, this is stupid. So I pulled up the Amazon app on my phone. Uh -huh. and, and on my way home, took care of it. Very nice. So there you go. That's my lesson learned this week. That's the plug for elementopi.com slash Amazon. Uh, I encourage you to, uh, if you're going to do shopping on Amazon, please do it through us. Um, I don't get a lot, but I get more than you do if you don't do that so, you could help make their holiday go. magic yes you could get my kids even more spoiled than they are that would be awesome excellent so james i'm done i got nothing else to say how about you i'm i'm out of material i uh, thank you for being with us this was a good show uh i think anyway i learned a lot <laughs> not really uh, <laughs> but we covered some stuff and people seem to like it. So thanks for being with us, James. As, as always, you are a, a, a professor and a gentleman. And uh, would you like to tell people uh, maybe what you do that they might be interested in if they're into, you know, Internet stuff? Well, if you are someone who is a technical person and you're interested in learning more about computers or getting a certification with computers, you can, of course, always visit ProfessorMesser.com. And there's some good stuff there offered at no cost, and you can't beat that. And if you want to know more about me and what I do, go to elementop.com. 
Check out the other shows that I do there. Check out the other hosts. Uh, leave your feedback. We encourage feedback. Please feed yourselves back to us. Uh, there are three ways that you can do that. You can go to elementop.com. You can click on the Contact Us button at the top of the page. You will fill out a form that will send me an email. I will read it. Uh, you can go into the forums. You can click on the Art of Podcasting forum. You can make a public comment that the world can see, and I will read it. Or you can give me a call and leave me a voicemail at 559-I-AM-OPI is the phone number. Uh, you can call that. Uh, Google Voice will let you leave a, a voicemail of up to three minutes. It will come to me. I will listen to it, and I will put them on the air. And if you don't want to do that, if you're so lazy you don't even want to dial the phone, you can go to elementopi.com and click on the Leave Us a Voicemail widget at the top right of the page, enter your phone number, and Google Voice will call you. That's the ultimate in laziness. And if you're outside the U.S. and Google Voice doesn't work for you, just uh, fire up your recording device because you're all podcasters, right? Record uh, something, send it to me in an MP3, and I'll play it on the air. And we would love to hear from you uh, about your topics, about your comments, about your horror stories. Maybe we could do a follow-up next week of our listeners' worst horror stories. I'd love to hear that. Because that would make us feel better. That would be great. So uh, without further ado, I'm calling it. That ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.